This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. We're talking about a sensitive and delicate topic today, so this is a warning if you're triggered by discussions of suicide. A few years ago, I was driving across the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco to Marin, I marveled at the beauty that surrounded me, just like the countless other times I've driven it. But this particular drive forever changed the way I look at the Golden Gate Bridge. Bridge staff and patrol carts had rushed past my car, and I noticed a small group of people gathered up ahead on the right. By the time I reached the group, I realized what was happening. A man had made his way to a beam beneath the pedestrian path. Patrol staff were on their hands and knees speaking with him. In an instant, I saw him as he turned to face them. He looked to be in his 30s. He had shaggy, shoulder-length blonde hair. His face was expressionless. I never found out what happened to that man, but I think of him every time I drive on that bridge. Today on Fifth Emission, we're talking about the efforts to save people just like the man I drove past that day. More than 1,800 people have died from jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. There were 21 confirmed suicides in the last year alone, and each month, two or three people jump off the bridge. In 2014, the bridge's board of directors approved millions of dollars in funding to install a steel net system that would prevent people from taking their own lives. It was the product of a decades-long campaign that family members of suicide victims advocated for, as CBS Evening News then reported. Here are some of their voices and their testimonies to the bridge authorities. I lost my husband. I lost my 17-year-old daughter, Casey. This is a picture of him saying goodbye three minutes before he jumped off the bridge. There's nothing that I could do now to bring my son back. I'm doing this for the other people. Now the suicide barrier is nearing completion after years of construction obstacles and opposition. Chronicle reporter Rachel Swan joins me today to talk about the progress of the construction project, what it means for suicide victims' families, and the lessons that have been learned by the people who have been on the front lines of rescue efforts. And before we start that interview, if you or someone you love is struggling with thoughts of suicide, reach out to a counselor. 24 hours a day at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The number is 800-273-8255. Now let's turn to reporter Rachel Swan. Rachel, thank you for being here. Tell me more about the Suicide Barrier Project on the Golden Gate Bridge. How long has this been in the making and what exactly will the barrier look like? You know, in reality, this has been in the making, um, in a sense, since the bridge opened. You know, that's actually when people, uh, even just a few weeks after its opening was when the first known person jumped off the bridge. So, you know, way back in the day, the um, old school version of the highway patrol told bridge officials, we got to do something about this, you know. Um, so you, So in a sense, it's been delayed and delayed and delayed for decades. 
There have been all these debates. There's been pushback. There have been people who say, no, uh, this will blemish our beautiful views because, you know, this is like an international landmark. There's been people who say, even to me to this day, I get emails from people saying, why build a suicide barrier? What if people just go somewhere else? You know, that's a common argument. So there's been politics. In a, in a way, society had to shift to make way for the barriers. So a few years ago, you know, they, they finally did put a contract out to bid. And um, it wasn't until 2019 that uh, the net um, is actually, was, was actually uh, under construction. And it's going to be essentially a giant, if you can, if you can picture this, it's like a giant steel, I often call it a web just because it's almost like a, it's, but it's not like a soft web. It's not like a hammock. It's like an ouch, you know, like a chain link fence of steel that's um, several feet under the side of the bridge. And ultimately it'll be on each side um, along the whole 1.7 miles. And how far along are they in the project now after decades of discussion and even delays? You know, I mean, what I went to the bridge the other day and what I could see was just in to my eyes, kind of a small segment on the northwest side, you know, something like almost three quarters of the net has been built. It's enough steel uh I guess what they call marine grade steel to fill up seven football fields. So it's like a kind of a massive quantity of steel, you know. So they've almost finished the fabrication part of it, but it's it's really complicated. They have to essentially build the net in other places and then install it on the bridge um, on what are called struts or supports. They look like these little prongs that are kind of all along the bridge. And so, you know, right now they're estimating that it'll take until sometime in 2023. They don't even have a definitive deadline um, to get the net fully installed. And I mean, in some, you know, one could even say that's optimistic. For having gone to the bridge the other day um, and walked along it, you can see the, the struts, like the orange supports. Some people even call them arms all along, you know, at least the east side of the bridge. So most of those appear to be installed. So it's really the, what I keep calling the web, but the net part that still has to be mostly installed. Advocates of this project hope that once construction is completed, it will get bridge deaths down to zero. Why do they think a barrier is the best way to solve this tragic history of people jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. There have been calls for a barrier that like date back even to the 50s, right? Yeah. You know, and it's interesting, Cecilia, like there have been so many kind of different ideas, you know, like from railings to these kinds of like weird fences with wires that slacken so you can't really climb them, you know, and just all sorts of stuff, you know, and it, you know, they've had plans that have kind of like concepts that didn't quite work, um, that maybe would have totally blocked the view of the bridge, um, that wouldn't withstand, you know, this is a pretty brutal environment, you know, they have to withstand the wind. So, so part of it is just the engineering. I mean, it is admittedly an aesthetically 
blazing suicide barrier. The struts are the same color as the paint of the bridge. They're also orange. So it's kind of like imagined it's something that's a little bit innocuous. It's going to blend in with the environment. You can't really even see the web because it's going to blend with the fog threading around the bridge and the ocean and whatnot. Um, I mean, the other thing is, you know, I can't stress enough, like, this is like, this would not be a pleasant fall, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you would survive, you would probably break a bone, you know, mm -hmm. you would be um, incapacitated. So it's, I mean, it really is kind of a deterrent and, um, you know, I mean, there are people who say, well, what if you just climb out and jump again? I, I think that would be actually kind of hard to do. And it gives people that enough time to, you know, because we know that people who survive a fall from the bridge, they all, you know, many of them have said they regret it as soon as you mm -hmm. jump off the rail. So this would give you that time to make that split second decision and think, oh, I actually don't want to do this. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This project has been, you know, something that families have been advocating for a long time, I understand you spoke with the mother of a suicide victim who is really happy to see this construction finally wrap up soon. Tell me more about her story. Um, yes, the mother is Kimberly Renee Gamboa. She lost her son, Kyle, when he was a teenager. You know, he he jumped off the, the Golden Gate Bridge. That was in September 2013. And she has been, you know, ever since basically – almost since she lost him, basically since November of 2013, she and or her husband, often both of them, have come to every single bridge district board meeting and spoken at every single one at the beginning and just consistently pressed for Annette, you know? And that was, what she told me was like, that was her mission. We're not going to let them forget this. Like, we're going to just be there until this thing is built, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. once it's built, it's going to be a little weird because they're just not going to see us anymore. They've been such a consistent presence. Um, she told me that over the years, she has only missed two board meetings. So essentially, like, you know, in addition to just being this really persistent voice for the net, they've they've kind of like pulled the bridge district and officials at the bridge district along with them in their grief, you know, and, mm. uh, um, and their journey in, um, grappling with their, their son's death, you know? So she, she has been just one of the most powerful advocates. 
So while the barrier's been under construction, what other tactics have Golden Gate Bridge officials used to intervene in potential suicides in the meantime? You know, we hear the stat of two to three people jumping each month. What have they been doing? You know, they have they have security patrols, you know, or I, I guess I would call them patrols who kind of walk along the bridge and are a presence and look for people in crisis. Um, they also have call boxes. There are signs. There are yellow call boxes. There are actually signs in the call boxes. Say, if you need help, you can press this button. So it's it's pretty explicit, you know. I mean, they are, you know, it's known that people come here when they are distraught and they're pretty explicit about, you know, we're here to help. They actually did manage to intervene in, um, I think, nearly last year, nearly uh, 200 attempts. So, I mean, they Mm. have been somewhat successful. I mean, it's just just not quite the same as the physical intervention of the net, you know, but they, they really have been cognizant of this. And um, they've also been kind of upping their search and rescue when someone does jump from the bridge. Traffic enforcement people, they drop flares in the part of the water where they think the person has landed that helps guide the Coast Guard to find the person, hopefully pull them out while they're still alive and um, rush them to the general hospital in Marin where there's a special trauma unit that cares for bridge survivors. I want to talk about that unit a bit more because in addition to interventions on the bridge itself, there are some life-saving tactics that have been researched by trauma surgeons in Marin, this group that you're talking about. Uh, These are the folks that treat people who survive that 220-foot fall from the bridge. Tell me more about that group's research. They have just put out a white paper about their findings about 26 people they've treated since the year 2000. And it does show that uh, more people, the the rate of survival has improved since they've become a designated trauma unit. You know, they just have people with incredible expertise, this surgical department that's staffed with just these really top-notch doctors, uh, blood banks, they give blood they get blood transfusions. Um, they do uh, critical life-saving surgeries. I talked to this one guy who survived named Kevin Hines. He's kind of a famous Golden Gate Bridge survivor. He said they invented a new type of surgery just for him because he had fractured several vertebrae and almost severed his spinal cord. Um, I know these details get unsettling, but you know, basically they have just an incredibly intricate trauma unit and, you know, while also offering people, because a lot of people, you know, even when they start to recover physically, they have these lasting psychological wounds, um, both mm-hmm. from whatever they were dealing with before and from the the bridge. So, I mean, they, they're very cognizant of the kinds of services that people need after after a fall from the bridge. So this unit has saved, you know, I mean, I can't say a lot of lives because it's just, it's the more rate is so high, but, you know, they have saved people. Mm -hmm. And what does the almost completion of this suicide barrier, what does it mean for a unit that's been on the front lines of trying to rescue people who have jumped off the bridge? 
Yeah, you know, um, the doctors I spoke with who who published this this report, um, or rather put out this report about um, survivors of the bridge. I mean, everyone I talked to said they supported the suicide barrier, that they have been waiting for it, that they hope that this is the last time they'll write any kind of research paper about survivors of the Golden Gate Bridge, that this will become kind of an obsolete thing, you know, which is something you you don't really hear from medical experts at the top of their field all the time. You know, I mean, they're, they're really supportive. It's just devastating. It's just devastating for everybody who has to, you know, whether it's a motorist or a bystander or a construction worker or a passerby on the bridge or if a Coast Guard official or an emergency responder, it's just devastating to see anyone fall from the bridge, let alone multiple people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there just seems to be a unanimous in the, in the medical community, unanimous support for this barrier. And relief, I'm sure. Yes. And relief. Right. Rachel, this is such a sobering, but important story. Thank you so much for talking to me about it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Rachel Swan is a reporter at The Chronicle. Her stories about the Golden Gate Bridge's suicide barrier are online now at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. If you or someone you love is struggling with thoughts of suicide, reach out to a counselor 24 hours a day at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. You can also reach a counselor by texting the word CONNECT to 741-741, which is the crisis text line. Thank you to Karen Creighton for editing this episode, and thank you for listening.